Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Steve Fowler. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Those of us joining us online and house churches, welcome as well, and happy 4th of July to you. Uh, I'm sure you got some plans for today. And uh, in my neighborhood where I live, they've, they've been celebrating all weekend long. So last night, fireworks are going off, and maybe you were doing that too. That's, that's, that's great, um, but uh, it's a fun day, and I'm sure you'll get a chance to enjoy it a little bit later. And I'm glad the sun's out for it, and I'm glad not only is the sun out, but it's not 115 degrees. Uh, so this seems like this is set up for the perfect, uh, perfect weekend. So anyhow, uh, glad you're with us. Again, glad house churches are with us. And just a heads up, uh, there's been some, maybe some misunderstanding over the, over the weeks here that, um, that, you know, if you're in a house church, you know, don't come back. No, no, you, you can come back. Uh, this is great being together. And some house churches are coming back, they're worshiping together, and then they're going together to do lunch and uh, connecting and just processing what Jesus is saying to them. So I uh, just want to make sure we're clear on that. But it's uh, sure good to have the opportunity to be back together in the room and worshiping. There's just nothing like it. Hey, uh, when I was uh, I was a kid, my parents asked my brother and I. I was eight years old. Uh, asked my brother and I to join them join them in the back bedroom. Which you know, typically when you're a kid and your parents say come in the back bedroom, that's not good news. Uh, but this was different. This was a family meeting of sorts. Uh, my parents were trying to get us on the same page and talk about some, some changes that were happening. My parents were missionaries in China, and we were back on home assignment, uh, and we were in Lewiston, Idaho. I was in the fourth grade, and uh, they told us that when we go back to Hong Kong, that we were not going to go back to the same school, that we were going to go to a boarding school. And that boarding school was located in Malaysia. Now, I'm eight years old. I have no idea what a boarding school is, and I have no clue where Malaysia is. But I knew that it must be a pretty big deal. It must be kind of important because mom and dad were having a family meeting with us. And that, that, that short little family meeting influenced how Trina and I parented. When we wanted to get our kids on the same page with us, we would call family meetings. I remember calling a family meeting uh, as we talked about uh, our kids doing chores and getting paid allowance to do their chores. And we had a conversation about that, uh, what it actually meant to do chores and accomplish them and uh, get allowance. I remember having a family meeting um, to, yeah, to, to cover things like discipline when things were going, weren't going right in the, in the house. And we had a family meeting one time in a significant transition. Our family was moving from uh, Kelso, Washington to China, and we wanted to keep our kids on the front edge of information. So we called a family meeting and told them what we were thinking about and talked to them about that. We had family meetings to discuss moments of loss. Uh, we were living overseas in Southeast Asia. We happened to be in Thailand during the tsunami, and there was significant loss of life, and we called a family meeting because some of our kids' classmates lost their lives in that tsunami. There was a, there was a teacher that lost their life uh, from their school in, in that tsunami. So we called a family meeting to, to get us all on the same page to make sure everyone knew what they needed to know. I'm sharing all that because uh, we're starting a new series, and what I would love to do is just, in a sense, call a family meeting to, to get us together and say, you know, we, we need to have a conversation together. 
We need to have a conversation in family, not, not because there's chores and we're all getting allowance. That, that, that'd be awesome. But that's not what it's about. It's not about discipline. It's not about a, a move or a transition in any, in any sense. But it is kind of in that category of loss. We need to have a family meeting and talk about the loss that we have incurred on multiple levels in the last 16 months. Friends, the, the coronavirus pandemic in the last 16 months has changed how we live. It's changed how we think, and we have incurred loss on multiple dimensions, but at least on two, two big categories, two big buckets, uh, if, if let me, me say it that way. Uh, here's the first one. There has been loss in the sense of the loss of significant physical life. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the last 16 months, nearly 4 million people lost their lives because of the virus, globally speaking. 4 million people. And all those people connected to families. And that's on the global setting, but when you think about, about the U.S., or you think about Oregon, or they get even more specific, and you think about Salem Alliance Church, you may not know this, but there were several families that had to hold funerals from our church because they lost loved ones due to the coronavirus. One of those families sitting in the room today. And the loss and the devastation and the sadness that came over them because of the virus and, and this life being taken is, I mean, the devastation, the, the sadness, the, the hurt is palpable. And I can't even begin to get my head around the cumulative effect of that loss globally. Of four million lives and all the families and all the people that are networked to those lives that were lost. It has been a difficult, trying year for so many people simply because of the loss of physical life. And that, that's just one category. But there's a whole other category, and it, it's not loss of physical life. In some ways, it's, it's, it's quite painful. It's, it's the loss of relationships. It's the loss of friendship. Because in the last 16 months, as, as things have been going on and as, as, as uh, states have been responding differently to the coronavirus pandemic and, and each state having its own way forward in this, people have had, I don't know if you know this or not, but people have pretty strong opinions about how things should have been done in the last 16 months. <laughs> and I, I just say there's some categories to it. Like when the state of Oregon said that businesses should be closed or gyms should be closed or churches should be closed, and, and those businesses, majority of them did close, some didn't, and the majority of gyms closed, not all did, and um, a lot of churches closed, not all did. People had pretty strong opinions about that. And we closed, we, we closed we, thinking that it's, it's a 30-day it's a thing and uh, then it'll be done, but then it became longer and you, we all know that it was over a year that our doors were closed. I could read you, literally, I could read you over 100 emails with people expressing their opinion on being closed or open on both sides of it. People just really upset we're, we're closed or really glad that we were, we've, we've, not, you know, we've not been open. And, and people had very strong opinions on that. And in some cases, it broke relationships. You, you, you know this probably, that, that families, relationships and families were ruptured. I was talking to someone last night. A friendship of 55 years was broken over this last 16 months. 55-year friendship. That there are siblings that aren't talking to each other. That there are grandparents who have been denied access to their grandchildren because of how they think. 
things should have been handled. That there's been loss of relationship simply over open or close. Here's another one. There's been loss of relationship because do black lives matter or do blue lives matter? Because you do realize that if you believe blue lives matter, then you don't care about racial justice. And, uh, and if, you, if you care about black lives matter, then, then you're a leftist Marxist, right? Because you couldn't, you couldn't do both. You couldn't do both because the word on the street was you were one or the other. And when people began expressing the, the passion in their heart, we began to sort and label and box and relationships were broken. And, and what about masks and no masks? And every service this weekend, there are people still wearing masks. And, you know, what happens is when you see people who aren't wearing a mask, especially in the pandemic, when you weren't wearing a, wearing a mask or you were wearing a mask, we, be, we, we came to judgments about one another. Oh, okay. They, they, they think this. Oh, no, no. They, this, is, this is the spirit. With it. This is what they're saying. They're, this is how they're protesting. And we, be, we began to make just conclusions about one another based on whether we are wearing a mask or not. I can't tell you how many times that I was walking to a store and got to the door and realized, oh, I forgot my mask. So glad those days are over, hopefully. <laughs> but we made, we made judgments about each other, and we had such strong opinions that it actually fractured and ruptured relationships. Oh, here's the ultimate test for orthodoxy. How did you vote in the 2020 election? Right? Oh, you talk about division. You talk about polarization. If, if, if you were one of those people who actually did share who you voted for, people had strong opinions for or against. In fact, I heard, again, last night I heard someone say that they were in Target yesterday and someone was shouting in Target yesterday saying, who voted for Trump? Like wanting to get in a discussion. And somebody else on the other side of, the, of, of Target said, I didn't. This is, how we, this is how we have the conversation in Target? <laughs> See, whether it was Trump or Biden or maybe you picked someone else because you just said you didn't want to have to answer that question, it created, the division sank its teeth into us. And there has not only been loss of life, there has been loss of friendship and friends, fellow, fellow followers of Jesus Christ more than ever. We need to be reconciled. We need reconciliation. So we're, do, we're, just, we're, we're having a family meeting. We're calling a, a gathering and say, we're going to talk about this for the whole month. For some of you, are like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going back to my house church. <laughs> but this is an important conversation. It's a really important conversation. And I don't want to be the guy that comes up here and leads and say, well, they never talked about it. Friends, we need to be reconciled. To be reconciled means to restore a friendship. There was a relationship where people were getting along and they loved being together. And sometimes it was for decades and now it's been ruptured and fractured and we need reconciliation. Those friendships need, those family relationships need to be, those neighborly relationships, those workplace relationships need restoration. That's reconciliation. It's to what was once harmonious has been broken and now it's not harmonious. Now actually people are turning their face from someone talked to someone last night. They were in a department store, and someone, they, they saw it from our church, and they went to say hi, and they actually turned their face and walk, walked away. That's the biblical definition for hatred, is to turn your face. And more than ever, we need to be reconciled to each other. I want to talk to us about that this month. Now, 
Paul plants a church. He plants a church, and um, it's an incredibly gifted church, but it is a divided church. They're, They're a church that are kind of ranking and rating their spirituality based on who's baptized them. That's one one way they were being divided. I mean, Apollos baptized me. I'm a pretty big deal. You think you're a big deal. Peter baptized me, and Peter was actually with Jesus and walked with him for three years. So I'm a little bit bigger deal than you are. Well, you think that's a big deal? I was actually baptized by the person who planted this church. His name is Paul, and he was, he was converted on the road to Damascus. He saw Jesus. I'm a big deal. This kind of spirit was in the church, and it was creating division. They were also ranking and rating each other's spirituality based on what spiritual gifts they had. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of important because I have this gift, and uh, you don't have that gift, and so, you know, you don't really have God's favor on you. And it was creating division in Paul. This is why we get 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You do realize 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about love, was not written so that we could have weddings, Right? It doesn't mean it's wrong to have that read at a wedding. It was read at my wedding. That's a good thing. It's a great definition of love. But the reason Paul defines love is because he's in a church that's divided and that needed reconciliation. That's why we hear love is patient, love is kind. You get the rest of the list there. So Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talks to us about this reconciliation and we'll, we'll, we'll put this up here, up here on the screen. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, get this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you hear what Paul said? You have been given a ministry. If you are a Christ follower, that means that God the Father has chosen not to count your sins against you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And not only are you reconciled, not only is your friendship restored to the Father, that's great news. In fact, we're going to celebrate that in a little bit as we celebrate communion together. Not only are we reconciled to the Father, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, meaning we get to proclaim this good news. We get to tell other people that their sin, their brokenness, their shame, their guilt is not going to be held against them because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's good news. That, That should prompt some joy within our hearts. And that is the vertical aspect of reconciliation. That vertically speaking, that our friendship with God has been restored. But friends, that's half the ministry of reconciliation. That's only half of it. The second half of it, Jesus speaks about in Matthew chapter 5, in one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about different aspects, like you've heard it said this, but I tell you this, and some of you know this very well. And he's talking about murder. You've heard it said not to take someone's life And then he talks about the primacy of being reconciled to one another. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, we'll, we'll talk about that word here in a second. Anyone who says to a sister or brother, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, because of all that, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Let me just read that again. Therefore, if you are offering your gift, you are sitting in church at Salem Alliance, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave, leave the church service, leave the house church, leave that moment of worship, and first go and be reconciled, and then come and offer your gift. This is what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying that reconciliation, yes, there's joy in the fact that we've been reconciled to the Father. The Father is not holding sins against us. He's not holding our failures against us. And then what Jesus is saying is that actually when it comes to this, this idea of murder, that, we're, that you know, this idea of taking someone's life, that murder is not simply when it's active, when the, when the trigger is pulled or when the club is lowered. and No, it begins so much earlier than that. It begins in the human heart. It begins with a broken relationship. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees were keeping the letter law. They weren't murdering anyone, but they had contempt in their heart for people. Friends, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Is if there's a vertical aspect to reconciliation, God is not holding our sins against us through Jesus Christ, and there is a horizontal plane to the ministry of reconciliation, which means we do not hold sins against other people. And both are connected to the ministry of reconciliation. So here's my main idea. I'll just put it out right for you. Right here. It'll be on the screen. Here's, here's what I'm going. You can't be right with God until you are right with one another. This is what Jesus is saying. He's telling us that our relationships with one another are as important as, 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 as anything, and we, then we can be in right relationship with the Father. That we cannot, it's impossible to be right with God and not be right with one another. In fact, we're living in darkness if that's the case. And if you think I'm exaggerating, let me just read to you from 1 John chapter 2. Because John says it pretty clearly, a disciple of Jesus. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, turns their face from the fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. You cannot be right with God and not be right with one another. It's God's holy word. It's in the book. And it's not there just once. It's there multiple times. Now, Jesus says it pretty clearly. He says, you, this spirit of murder begins when we utter the word, you, you fool. It's the Greek word moros. It's where we get our English word moron. And when, 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 when it begins in that way, we're, we're just like, someone, this guy's an idiot. That person's an idiot. That, that's the seed of contempt that actually, when acted out, results in violence. And Jesus says that your soul is in peril when that takes place. We minimize this. But Jesus is putting, in fact, and then he says, and anyone who says raka 
That, that, I mean, you should be taken to the court. Raka is a word that, that its original meaning, scholars will, some scholars will say that it means empty-headed, to say raka. Other scholars say it's actually the sound of spitting on someone. And spitting on someone is just such an act of, a grotesque act of contempt. If you were to actually go and spit on someone. Last year, during the pandemic, in the month of December, in, uh, in, in, in Los Angeles, there were reports of a jogger who was going around and who was spitting on people who weren't wearing a mask. I don't know how you spit on someone if you're not wearing a mask, but that, that's a whole other story. Let me just read the article from the paper. A man who allegedly spat on random people while jogging in L.A. because they weren't wearing masks has been arrested by police. James Howard, 38, of Glendale, was arrested on December 30th and booked for an investigation of battery, elder abuse, and committing a hate crime, police said. He was released on bond, according to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Late last year, Glendale police began receiving reports that a shirtless jogger was spitting on random people outdoors, primarily for not wearing a face mask. Victims of his assault ranged in age from 13 to 78 years old. In some incidents, the suspect taunted and used racial slurs to the victims during the assault. In one assault, the jogger told a man to go back to his own country and then slapped him on the back of the head. Howard was arrested after detectives working on the case received a call that a jogger had just spit in someone's face, police said. Howard admitted to committing the series of reported assaults along with other assaults that had not yet been reported. It is the ultimate act of contempt to spit on some. It's the ultimate act of contempt to use a racial slur to tell somebody to go back to their own home. And friends, that kind of division, that kind of racial and, 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 and relational brokenness was made so evident in the last 16 months. And Jesus is saying that anyone who says raka, or if it means spitting, anyone who spits in someone, someone else, it's an act of contempt, it's grotesque, and your soul is in peril because you cannot be right with God and not be right with one another. It's the Word of God. And more than ever, we need to be reconciled. Yes, reconcile to the Father. Yes, we need to proclaim that good news. That is the ministry of reconciliation, to proclaim the good news that the Father does not hold our sins against us. But the other half of the ministry of reconciliation is to not hold our sins against one another. Oh, and friends, God has revealed our hearts in the last 16 months to multiple levels. And so Jesus lays out a pretty vivid story about how to be reconciled to one another on the horizontal plane. Here's what he says. First thing he says is, realize the offense. Realize that there's an offense. He's, he's, he's preaching this in Galilee, and he's, sort of, he's, he's presenting this idea that you are at the temple in Jerusalem, and you are, you're worshiping. You're about to offer an offering, and then... And then suddenly you realize that there's someone that, uh, that is holding something against you. That they didn't do something 
to you. You actually did something to them, and it's caused a hurt. And whether you think it's justified or not, they're holding something against you. And so Jesus tells a story that if you're in the middle of a worship service, if you're in the middle of a worship experience, you need to realize that there, there or at least reflect on the idea that there might be someone who's holding something against you. Now, when we take communion, as we're going to do a little bit later this morning, we often do a lot of inward reflection. We quote Psalm 139, a prayer of David. Search me, O God, know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. It's a wonderful prayer. It's an important prayer because we want to make sure that there is nothing in the way of our relationship with the Father. He's done so much. He sent his son so that we could be reconciled, so that our sins might not be held against us. And we realize we're working at our salvation. We're growing in sanctification of being set apart to God, and yet we, we still sin. So we want to make sure that we're right with God. And so we search me, O oh God, know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. But one of the things we often do not do is reflect and say, Father, is there anyone out there that is holding something, someone, something against me? Is there anyone out there that's, it's, that, that I have offended? And Jesus says, we need to take the time to realize that there is an offense. And then if that's the case, what Jesus then does is he describes something pretty radical. Here's the next step of what it takes to be reconciled. Leave your offering and go. Yeah, again, you have to realize this is being preached in Galilee. Jesus is preaching in Galilee. Jerusalem is 80 miles away. It's a one-week journey to get from Galilee to Jerusalem. So this person that Jesus, the story he's making up, this person is, is made an 80-mile journey. It's taken at least a week. And they're there at the temple, and the Spirit of God nudges them and says, you know what, there's a relationship that's not right. And there's someone who's holding something against you. Leave your offering and go back. You have to understand that, that what Jesus is asking is pretty significant. He's saying, leave your gift, leave your worship experience, engage in another 80-mile trip, and go back to Galilee and have that conversation with that person. And when you're done having that conversation, then return. Come back another 80 miles to the temple, and then you can, you can re-engage in your worship experience. So what Jesus is saying is, look, I want you to travel an extra 160 miles, and on top of that, it's going to take an extra two weeks of your time. That's a big ask which means it's really important because you cannot be right with the Father. You cannot have the vertical aspect of reconciliation experience and ignore the horizontal aspect of your ministry of reconciliation. Jesus is saying, look, I'm asking you to take a huge step here and make another significant journey, spend two, two more weeks on the road so that you are reconciled one to another. That's how important this is to the Father. Realize there may be an offense. And then leave your offering and go. And the third step is simply this, to be reconciled and then return and offer your gift. Be reconciled. Let me just stop there for a moment because let's just acknowledge that just because you have a conversation does not mean that the relationship has been restored. Because... You're not always going to agree. You're not always going to be on the same page, which is why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. 
You cannot control people's responses, but one thing you can do is make the trip, make the journey, make the phone call, write the email, knock on a door, and say, you know, I, I think maybe there's something I've done that you're holding against me, and I, can we have a conversation about that? And those conversations don't all go well. Believe me, I've had a lot of those conversations the last 16 months. And they don't all go well. But it's such an important and biblical step in the pursuit of being reconciled. Be reconciled. And then once you have the conversation or be at peace, as far as it depends on you to be at peace with everyone, then you re-engage in your worship experience. And Jesus is laying this out simply because that there is a ministry of reconciliation that we have been getting, and it isn't just vertical. That vertical part is huge. It's important. We celebrate. We're going to celebrate that today. God the Father is not holding our sins against us. And that doesn't prompt a hallelujah in you, then maybe you got to check your pulse. Because, I mean, as I kind of think about the sins I've committed in my life, I'm going, hallelujah, that's not being counted against me. But that's half the ministry. Because the other half is... Because we have been loved and because Christ pursued us while we were still sinners, we then per, we pursue others. Whether they've sinned against us or we've sinned against them, there's no, there's no loophole in this. We are to be reconciled. And that's what this whole month is going to be about. Aren't you excited? Because we need a family meeting. We've got to have this conversation. We can't just pretend like the last 16 months didn't happen. It happened. It happened. And look what has been squeezed out of us. And it isn't just here. It isn't just local. It's, friends, it's across the U.S. I talk to pastors across the U.S., and as I go and I, I, hear, I, I talk to them, it, this has happened all across our nation. I don't know globally. I, I, I don't know that, the answer to that. But I do know for us and that for churches in the U.S., this has been a year of loss, physical life, year of loss, friendships broken over closed and open, black lives and blue lives and masks or no masks or Trump or Biden and you could probably keep the list going. And Jesus is saying, be reconciled to me, to the Father, and to one another. So let's just ask this question. Put up on the screen. Is there anyone you know that is holding something against you? Is there anyone that you would say, I, I think maybe I need to go have a conversation. I don't know. By the way, when you write a sermon and you prepare a sermon like this one, you have to own it as well. So I've made phone calls this week. A lot of them have gone to voicemail. But as far as it depends on me, I need to be at peace with everyone. So I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. But we need to stop and say, is there anyone, is there anyone out there that's holding something against me? And we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate the vertical aspect of our reconciliation with the Father. That the good news is that through Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ went to the cross and because he paid our sin debt 
for us, that by faith in Christ, that we can receive grace and forgiveness and have every stain of sin washed from our hearts, and that we can be restored to the Father and be reconciled to him. We're going to remember that moment. But as we do, we need to take some time to pause. And can I just say that in communion today, for some of us, as we think about what's going on in our own hearts, for some of us, we think about what's going on in our relationships. We may decide not to take communion today, and that's okay. It's your way of saying, I got to leave my gift at the altar, and I need to go. I need to make something right. And the reason that's so important is because you cannot be right with God and not be right with one another. This is so important to Jesus. Friends, the church is not made up of natural friends. We are not united because we all think the same politically. We are not united because we, we all think the same way when it comes to any topic. It, it, it's, we're not, we're actually, the church has been made up from the earliest of days, as you read about in the scripture, the church is actually made up of natural enemies who think very different on all kinds of issues, but the one thing, the one person who unites them is the person of Jesus Christ. He is our unifier. He is our rock. He is the one who has brought us peace. He is the one who we follow. And everything else, oh, we can have conversation. But just think about what this does to the Father's heart when we turn our face. So this morning, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and reflect. And you're in a house church, I invite you to do the same. Let's pray the prayer of Psalm 139. God, we invite you to search our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know it better than I do. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Jesus, by your spirit now, would you call to mind attitudes, actions, anything that is grieved you, Holy Spirit, that we need to make right. Spend time confessing, repenting. And as sin is being revealed, please know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't expose sin to condemn us. He exposes sin so that we can walk in holiness and we might receive more grace. We're more sinful than we could ever imagine. And there's more grace than we could ever imagine. Now let's ask the question, Holy Spirit, is there anyone who is holding something against me? Would you reveal to us friendships and relationships that need to be made right? 
Spirit of God, speak to us as we continue to ready our hearts to celebrate the fact that we have been reconciled to the Father. Open our ears. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.